lives, our own experiences, our own circumstances. We, we not only get to know who God is, but we get to know who we are made to be. Made by him, saved by him, made with incredible purpose. That's why we open up the Bible in, in, in large measure. And, and it's why over this season as a church, we're opening up the Bible and, uh, and we're, we're titling our current sermon series, What are the Ingredients of a Christian? And uh, we want to give some consideration. And I, I don't know whether you, you think that's a pretty good-looking Christian. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that's any of us. Um, apart from maybe me, I don't know. Um, but uh, I think I ate that actually at lunchtime, but pretty much. What are the ingredients uh, that make us not just in our character, our personality, but in our, in our Christianity, in our discipleship, how we follow Jesus, how we become more like him, how we fulfill his purposes. And so um, last week as we began this sermon series, we thought about some of the, the spiritual disciplines. That what, that's what they're classically called. They're, they're, in a sense, godly habits, ways of living. And we, we thought about a few of them, perhaps inward disciplines, those of, of meditation, meditating upon the word of God, upon the person of God, not meditating in the sense of emptying our minds, but rather uh, filling our minds and our hearts and our spirits with who Jesus is. And so meditation and prayer, that, that wondrous life-giving conversation with God and, and of fasting and, and of, of the joys of, of fasting. Sounds like a strange thing to say, but if you want to know why fasting is joyous, then you'll have to get the podcast of last week. Today, uh, this morning, we considered another spiritual discipline, that of study. And uh, thank you for the wow. I appreciate that. Um, and we considered the, the discipline of study this morning. Tonight, we're going to, um, and I know I said silence this morning. Maybe that was just wishful thinking. I don't know. Uh, but actually, our, our discipline for consideration this evening is, is the spiritual practice of simplicity. Uh, and that's what we're going to consider this evening. Now, um, you, you may be thinking, I had no idea any of these things had anything to do with the Christian walk, but, but genuinely they, they do. And men and women of faith over uh, really all of the history of people following Jesus have found that this is true. Um, we, we are recommending, as we go through this journey, a particular book to you. Um, so I, I kind of saying, I was going to say if you like to read, but I'm going to say whether you like to read or not, can I still recommend this book to you? Uh, you'll get so much out of it. It's called Celebration of Discipline, which is such an odd title because who likes discipline? Really? But there you go. Celebration, a celebration of discipline, of the following of Jesus. And it's by a gentleman named Richard Foster. And I, I really, I can't recommend it highly enough to you. Uh, you'll find incredible wisdom in that book and also incredible challenge, but an incredible invitation of God to go deeper with him. And, uh, and, and he, he, he suggests that this, this discipline of simplicity is one that is, is true for us today. Wouldn't it be nice, I want to suggest to you, wouldn't it be nice sometimes, maybe all the times, I don't know, wouldn't it be nice to simply get away from it all? I, I thought genuinely I would hear a sigh of agreement at that moment. But it is kind of written on your faces uh, that you do agree with me. Wouldn't it be nice to get away from it all? Those of you who've been going through exams at the moment, wouldn't it be nice to get away from it all? Yeah. 
Yeah, you can shout a loud and hearty amen at that point, I don't mind. But uh, we all go through those seasons. And you know, it is something that's common to the human experience. It's something that you find literally littered through uh, so many books and, uh, and TV series and movies. This idea of what about if we just get back to basics, get away from the rat race. I was just, while we were just worshiping, I was just thinking through some of the, the kind of the popular culture things, and I was dredging through my mind. Um, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Uh, but I was dredging through my mind, and it seems that it's just all pervasive. Do any of you remember a TV show? I, I don't even remember how long ago this one was, but with Reginald Perrin. Do you remember that? Uh, and how he was caught up in the rat race of his life. Honestly, it, it first aired long before I existed. I'm not that old. But, uh, and, and I remember distinctly, there's this moment in the show when this guy, all suited and booted for the office, um, he, he's shown at the beach... And, and he just walks out into the ocean, leaving behind suit and waistcoat and bowler hat and one of those long umbrellas that gentlemen used to use in, in England of a, you know, a certain vintage. And he just gets away. But it's not just olden times. Uh, olden times, Reginald Perrin. Sorry for those of you who uh, don't think that was olden times. So there you go. Uh, but I, I remember on the turn of the millennium, and you had movies like The Beach. Did you see that movie? Where these people were kind of desperately trying to capture some sense of a forgiveness gotten almost like an Eden, a return to innocence, a getting away from all of the consuming things of, of modern culture. I think these things, they, they, they keep on coming around and around and around. You know, Tom Hanks, there he is getting cast away, wasn't he? And it seemed like a tragedy, and yet somehow he kind of rediscovered himself. And wouldn't it be great just to get away from all of these kinds of things? And, and that is a, it, it's a, it's a concept that just is pervasive in our society. But as I was thinking about it, it seems that we've got this idea of getting away from it all that is in some sort of, I don't know, UFC cage fighting death match with another concept in our world that would suggest, no, 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 don't get away from it all. Actually, get more. Because there's another great concept in our world that suggests to us all the time, every time we see an advert or every time we, we, we're bombarded by different images and sensations and, and various role models are, are lifted up for us that if only we had this or if only we had that or if only we look like this or, or look like that or experience this or experience that, then our lives would be complete. Our world is schizophrenic, isn't it? On the one hand, it's saying, get more, get more, get more, get more, get more. On the other hand, it's saying, oh, simplify. Get away from it all. Just dial it down. How can we possibly hope to live balanced and reconciled lives in such a world? Would you open up your Bibles with me um, to Matthew chapter 6? And we're going to hear some of the words of Jesus, which are always incredibly beautiful words to hear. And uh, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, um, in this story of the life of Jesus, uh, we, f we find ourselves diving in here to a time where Jesus, he's preaching a sermon. And uh, he, he's better than me. I, I can say that quite gladly. And so his sermon is just revolutionary. It's wondrous and, and wonderful. And he's challenging and, and, and inviting and it's incredible. And, and he talks about all of human life in this, in this sermon as he's talking to the people there. And in Matthew chapter 6, and we could pick it up in verse 25, uh, Jesus, 
is talking about the, the, the challenges of life and that kind of challenge of how do we simplify versus how do we get more. And, and Jesus is kind of reconciling these things and he says to them in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Anybody ever worry? Okay. I think we're all there, aren't we? Don't be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? It's an interesting question, isn't it? I'm not entirely sure that everybody at every time would say, yes, I am more valuable. But might I suggest to you this evening, and I can do so because the Bible tells me so, that you are made in the image of God. Made in a way that is unlike all of the rest of creation. You see, the Bible tells me that that God himself fashioned the first people to walk on this earth. And he did so not by the word of his mouth, but by his hands intimately involved in their crafting. And the Bible then tells me beautifully and poetically that God knits people together in their mother's wombs. And I love that image. I don't really see an image there of click clacking knitting needles. But I do see God's hands. And they're at work and he's fashioning us and crafting us. And not only that, but God breathes his spirit into people. And wonderfully, he makes us unique. Not only that, but when God sees the tragedy of us journeying away from him, moving away from his life-giving power and presence in our lives, he doesn't rest until he comes and he seeks us and he wants to save us and rescue us. And the Bible tells me, Ephesians 2 verse 10, that through Jesus, I can realize the truth of what it is to be God's workmanship, his craftsmanship. In another version of the Bible, his masterpiece. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, you're God's masterpiece. Could you do that? You're God's masterpiece. You have to tell them that and you have to mean it as well. If you could do that, that'd be even better. Um, You are God's masterpiece. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that you God's masterpieces can be so because you then are created in Christ Jesus. When you place your trust and your faith and your life submitted into the hands of Jesus, you become these masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance oh my goodness how far in advance so that you and I can walk in them you are of more value than the most beautiful creation that you could ever lay your eyes upon and which of you verse 27 by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life I read in the newspaper today, uh, this week rather, that, that religious people do live longer. So I don't know, I don't know how that goes, uh, but apparently we do. Uh, so well done. And if you pray, apparently you live a bit longer as well. So, so pray a bit more. Uh, there you go. Um, but, but, but not by worrying. You can't worry your way to longevity. Verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, 
Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, I guess that, though we're probably tempted from time to time, maybe more often than we'd like to confess, we're probably tempted by the shiny things of this world. I imagine even so, most of us would agree with that old truism that the best things in life are free. It's also been said that the best things in life aren't things. More thinking about people and relationships and love and experience. The best things in life, well, they're not really so much things, are they, as, as, as something much more precious than that. But as we think about this, even then, the irony is that even these positive parts of our life can easily become things to be manipulated and, and I don't know, made Instagram ready. You know, everything has to be curated and crafted. That every... Experience, even the good experiences of our lives, have to be then carefully crafted to add to the perfect Facebook story. It seems to me that perhaps up and coming generations, maybe they've got, got more of a, a healthy regard to, to material possessions and a little bit more relaxed about these things, but in their place has come the desire to have more and more experience. It says something about the human condition, I think. That whether your heart is for more and more things or more and more experience or more and more relationship or more and more love, we're seeking, we're seeking. And in the pursuit of meaning and simplicity, actually we default to our desire to accumulate more. How can we simplify? How could we simplify? Well, we could quote some wisdom, couldn't we? How, how, about, how about Socrates? You heard of him, haven't you? He said, beware the barrenness of a busy life. Just by doing more things doesn't mean that you get more out of it. Or how about uh, a poet, Thoreau? He said, the cost of a thing is the amount of life which is required to be exchanged for it. Well, that's deep, isn't it? Wow. Or how about if we turn to a wonderful old preacher? How about, how about Spurgeon? And, and, and he said this. He said, you say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. Anybody ever said that? Oh, I think we all do, don't we? If I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake, Spurgeon said. If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. And there'd be good sense in all of this. There's a lot of wisdom there, a lot of truth. But the truth is, a few wise sayings aren't going to simplify our lives. Nor will New Year's resolutions, nor the latest desire to follow whatever trend or fad or way of life seems to be grabbing at the moment, whether it's CrossFit or veganism or everyone seems to be becoming a vegan, I don't know. Uh, any of these things, good things, maybe. No matter how good they may be, they're not really going to simplify our lives. Even if we were to look to scripture, in Psalm 24 verse 1 it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. 
the earth is the Lord's. Even if we were to look at a scripture like that, will that really make us think, ah, oh, well then nothing is mine. I'm going to live a simple life. Has it ever worked? Tell me if you can just read a scripture and then suddenly your life is transformed. Please God, that's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> Does it always work? Do we always live simple lives of focus and devotion? As we found this morning when we looked at the discipline of study, our spiritual disciplines can't act as an end in themselves. Only as a God-given means to the end. Simplicity isn't a switch to be turned on at will. For Christians, our true end, our true goal, is a true understanding of who we are in God through Jesus Christ. We can only know the value and the benefit of simplicity when it is centered upon Jesus. And we can only hope to know success in simplicity when it is centered on Jesus. You see, in the universe, in, in the universe of our lives, unless we are within the gravitational pull of God, we will orbit ever more wildly in the search of something more. Does that make sense to you? Unless there is something at the core of your life that is holding you, that is centering you, that is giving you genuine focus and meaning, unless there is that gravitational pull towards God, your life will inevitably spin further out and further out and further out seeking something more. It's been said that in life we're, we're all seeking a significance and acceptance and security. Where are, you, where are you looking for these things? Are you orbiting ever more wildly thinking, oh, I'll find it here. I'll find it there. I'll find it in this. I'll find it in that. Maybe if I get more of this, then I'll find what I'm looking for. Or maybe if I strip things away, then I'll get what I'm... They're not the end in themselves. Unless we're centered upon God, the orbit of our lives is bound to go out of control. Truth is, all we need really is Jesus. There's some simplicity. And the good gifts that God our Father can bless us with. And it is that anxiety and that, and, and that search, that, that orbiting wildly looking for more in life. It's that that Jesus is addressing here in his sermon to us. He reminds us that accumulating more or even worrying about accumulating more can't satisfy us. And he invites us not to be so scattered in our loves, in our pursuits, he invites us to stop orbiting ever more wildly. So what is Jesus' remedy for us? How does he tell us, suggest to us, promise to us, in fact, that we can live simple lives of, of focus and of security and significance and acceptance? Well, Jesus is inviting us to order our lives around the coming of his kingdom. What did he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's one of those funny verses. It's in two parts. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And I don't know about you, but I, I tend to, to remember the second part more than the first part. Anybody else? 
I'm like, oh, well, there's a little hurdle there, and then we get stuff. Isn't that great? But it's not that way at all. You see, the, the destination for the Christian is not the and all these things will be added to us. We think it is. That's not the destination. The destination is the first part. It's seek God. Seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. Find yourself in him. Pursue him. Be centered upon him. All the rest is God's business. It's all God's business. He says, and all these things will be added to you. Not, not jump the hurdle and then go about accumulating stuff anyway. Not jump the hurdle and then carry on worrying about how you're going to put your life together. Not jump the hurdle and then see what you can make of your... No, 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 no. Seek God. That's the simplicity that he invites us into. The rest is his business. What did he say? He knows what you need. Simplicity is not about being in a place of desperate lack. Simplicity is not about some kind of weird ideology of, oh, I must have nothing and you know, walk around in rags and I must have a gloomy expression. No, it's none of these things. Simplicity is the focusing upon Jesus and the trusting that he'll attend to the rest. He knows what you need. Earlier on in the, this chapter of the Bible, Jesus has already instructed us to store up treasure in this kingdom, this kingdom of God. A kingdom has a king. The king is Jesus. Everything of the kingdom looks like Jesus. So if something looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, smells like Jesus, go for it. That's the stuff of the kingdom. Jesus has already instructed us to store up treasure in in his kingdom, knowing that when we do, our hearts grow more satisfied in his kingdom. You know, sometimes we get this upside down. You know, we think, when I'm satisfied in God, then I'll do. That ain't how it works in God's kingdom. God says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Do you know, it's true in Christianity that the more you pray, the more you enjoy it. Has anyone ever prayed and thought, oh, that's, I don't, that wasn't very good. <laughs> don't know why everyone keeps on banging on about prayer. I'm not, I'm not bothered about The more you do, the more you love it. It's a truism in Christianity that the more you open up the Bible and read it, the more it speaks life to you. There's a truism in Christianity that the more you serve his church, the more you love his church. I don't know about you, but I'm not very lovable all of the time. But I tell you, if you serve me, then I become more... No, no, no. Um, The church, more broadly, the church, the more you invest in it, the more lovely it looks. It's a truism of Christianity that the more you place yourself and invest yourself in his kingdom, the things of the king, the more your heart is there. The more your heart is there. You know this in your human relationships, don't you? You know in your, in your marriages or with your kids that you know, sometimes people are going to irritate you, even those people that you are related to. I know, shock horror. But when you see past these things and invest in those relationships, then things do get better. You know, we have a choice here, don't we? Either we walk away and say, ah, do you know, my heart's not in it. No wonder. Or you put your heart in it. You put your heart in it by saying, I'm not seeking 101 things. I'm seeking the things of God. And the more we do, the more our heart is where our treasure is. 
We can't wait for our hearts to be committed to the kingdom of God and then perhaps see our behavior, follow our feeling. Jesus instructs us to simply invest our lives in the kingdom and to see our hearts become more in tune with his kingdom as a consequence. What Jesus invites us into, this idea of simplicity, it's an inward reality that is also outwardly lived, that our behavior can be in tune with our hearts when they're focused upon Jesus. As Christians, we can't practice a dual life. The word duplicity it has that sense within it that it's a lie. The idea of having two things running alongside at the same time makes it a deceit. And the opposite of duplicity is simplicity. A singularity of, of focus and of devotion. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 29, in one version of the Bible, it, it puts it like this. It says, God made man simple. Can anyone agree with that? Not just men, by the way. I mean, you know, this is Father's Day. Come on, not just men simple. But God, I know that that's a different version there. God made us upright, but, but people have sought out many schemes. And another way of reading that, it's God made man simple. Man's complex problems are of his own devising. God made us simple. How does the Bible put it? He set eternity in our hearts. How, how does the Bible describe it in the beginning? He came and just walked with his people in the cool of the garden. It's very simple. What's more simple than a, an evening walk and a chat? And yet that was the pinnacle of God's creation. God made us simple. We make ourselves complicated. Or as another writer in the Bible, James, put it really powerfully in chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, a double-minded man being unstable in all his ways. How many lives are you trying to live? How many lives have you been stacking up so far? It's not stable because you're not made to be that way. Can I say this with all sincerity and all love? And I'm not kidding. You're made to be simple. Do you understand what I mean? And I, I don't mean daft. I mean simple. Simply focused upon your God. Simply receiving his love. Simply accepting that he's got this. Our challenge in this discipline of simplicity is decide whether do we really want to become like Jesus. Think about him. So simply centered upon his father. Living in the simplicity of, of grace and of purpose. Do we really want this? Or would we rather choose the anxiety of always seeking a little more? And if we would become more like Jesus... How about a few little questions and one little exercise? Can I give you some homework? Would that be all right? And no resounding amen for homework this evening. I've got a little exercise for you. Um, can I have some of my willing volunteers again? 
move more quickly, otherwise I won't believe that you're willing. Um, would you mind just passing one of these to everybody? That'd be fantastic. Share them out and a couple more of you would be great. Let's get it done. Um, you'll have to forgive the presentation of it. I just screenshotted it from my phone. Um, it's an exercise that's found in, in a really interesting book. It's called More or Less by a guy called Jeff Scheinerberger. There's a name to conjure with. Um, Scheinerberger. Um, and uh, and it, it's a great little exercise. He goes through this understanding of how do we simplify our lives. And, and might I suggest to you, it's all well and good saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Sometimes we just got to be practical about it, don't we? Sometimes we've got to say, well, how do I do that? If there aren't enough to go around, maybe, maybe people could share. That would be wonderful. This little exercise, I want you to take it home. Would you do it? Take it home and have a look at it. It's an exercise of simplifying your wardrobe. I have a pretty simple wardrobe already. I, you, know, I'm, you know, when a man reaches a certain age, he's just like, well, whatever's comfy. Um, I don't know how it works for ladies, but uh, simplifying your... It's, it, do a little inventory of what is in there when you open the wardrobe. If you open your wardrobe and you're scared about things falling on you, it's not simple. Okay, can I just say that? This is an exercise. You might think it's a bit daft, but it's an exercise in actually saying, I'm going to trust God in this one area of my life. And do you know what you could do is you could do an exercise like this with loads of other areas of your life. Can I read to you a couple of questions in a moment or two? Um, we're going we're gonna to come and share in, in the incredible act of baptism. And uh, in a moment or two, we're going to be baptizing Molly. And uh, I didn't just pick her. She knows. Um, but it's, it's, uh, is it because it's Father's Day and you want your dad to baptize you? Or, or is it secretly because it's your birthday and that's more important? I don't know. Both, okay, yeah. Good answer. Um, but it's going to be a great little Father's Day thing as well, um, as Ian uh, joins one of our, our elders, Abel, in baptizing Molly. In a moment, we're going to do that. But before we get to that celebratory moment of our, our gathering together, I don't want to let this moment pass us by without the opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us about how are we seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. So, from this wonderful little book, I'd like to ask you a few questions this evening. And so we can honestly consider them in our lives. Would you go right ahead and close your eyes? Could you do that? That would be okay. And um, before I ask these questions, I just want to pray for us that Lord Jesus Christ, you who simply lived with simple purpose and promise, simply following of your Father. Lord Jesus Christ, would you be our guide in this? So let's close our eyes. Shall we do that? And as we close our eyes, we just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And simplicity is freedom. It's freedom from the, the ever-increasing desire for more in all areas of our lives. And so in, in, in answering these questions in our heart, we allow God to speak freedom into our lives. 
Firstly, we might confront and challenge the tyranny of the self with these questions. In life, am I pretending to be an expert where I am only truly an amateur? Or how about, do I really read the books that I quote? Do I give the impression of being more godly than I truly am? Or, depending on what group that we're with, do I give the impression of being less godly than I truly am in order to gain status with others? Might we also rebuke the tyranny of things, of stuff, with these questions? Am I living contentedly within my income? Or how about, do I act my age? Am I a compulsive buyer? Do I try to impress people with gadgets? Or do I buy what I can afford and what my responsibility to the poor suggests? Finally, there is the tyranny of people. And so we might ask ourselves, can I allow an unfavorable comment about myself to stand without the need to leap to my own defense? In recalling events, do I shift the story ever so slightly to make myself appear in a more favorable light? Must I always make excuses for my behavior? Do I aim at excellence in my work without regard for what people may say or think? Can I accept compliments freely without any need to shrug them? Spirit of God, we would ask that in these questions and in the promptings that you will inevitably bring to us this week, we would ask that we would be less focused upon the many things that we 
have believed will bring us satisfaction and more focused upon you, King Jesus. This is what it is to seek your kingdom. It's centered upon you. To seek righteousness is to live rightly before you. God, would you prompt us? Would you prod us? Would you enable us to live simply? Not by our own efforts, but by our increased devotion and focus upon you. Jesus, it's true that the simple are free. And Lord Jesus Christ, as you preached, you preached the freedom of simply being centered upon God. That we would believe your words and that we would follow your words. In your name we pray.